Hey, how's it going? It has been a minute. Hope you all are doing well. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of In the Lab, whether you're listening live or catching the podcast later. Appreciate it. Hope you guys are doing well. It has been a busy couple of weeks just in both just in my personal life, been still busy with the podcast. Things are going great. Can't complain, but good to be back here. We have a lot of ground to cover tonight, so I don't want to waste too much time on introductions. I do want to mention that as far as podcast content, we have had two big interviews since I last spoke with you all on In the Lab. We had on March 24th, The Ringers, Mirren Fader on Giannis. She wrote the Giannis book. Giannis, the improbable rise of an NBA MVP, really was a fantastic interview. Great to pick Mirren's brain on Giannis, how the NBA has done, marketing him as a star, etc. think you're really going to enjoy that interview if you haven't heard it yet. And earlier this week, we just released this yesterday, April 7th, Tarika Foster-Brasby joined us to talk about the rise of popularity in the women's college game, as well as the WNBA. Yes, little love to the WNBA, and just kind of talked about the future positioning of that league, if they're going to always stay side-by-side with the NBA as far as like broadcasting partners go. Things along those lines, interesting topics, as always, we try to bring to you guys. Really appreciate your support. Check those out if you haven't seen them yet. So where do we even begin? There, there's been so much that has happened since Justin and I last were on an episode of In the Lab with you all. We've had some major injuries, namely like Rob Williams on the Celtics. Uh, we've had on and off with injuries for the Warriors that has been detrimental to them. They're still hanging on to the three seed in the West. We'll talk about their chances as a contender later. We have also had a player try to oddly pick a fight with a coach, that player being Jimmy Butler, who has been an antagonistic personality in past destinations. We've finally seen that blow up in Miami. They are still, however, sitting on top of the East. But yeah, basically at the end of a game through, uh, I believe it was the fourth game in a row they were losing on this stretch. He, you can see the video. You can, you can look it up. Um, he says to Coach Spolstra, one of the most respected coaches in the league, do you want to fight? And then things really blow up and get out of hand. Spolstra, I've never really seen him that upset before, throws his clipboard across the the court, uh, out onto the court, that is. And Udonis Haslam kind of stands up and defends the coach, and they just had to separate them. Kind of a meltdown in Miami, really odd for a number one seed for something like that to be going on. So are they contenders? We'll talk about that a little bit later. But one big piece of news that I want to spend as is kind of the first of our title topics here discussing is the Los Angeles Lakers. And I know it has been talked about ad nauseum 
I want to give a little bit more of a concise take, a, a little bit more of a take with some clarity, I think, I hope. Uh, a little less childish than what you're hearing. No offense to anyone else, but gets a little tired hearing the, this is all LeBron's fault. This is all Westbrook's fault. This is AD's fault, etc. So let's start here. Let's start with the Lakers. And I want to start simply with assigning blame. Now, blame can't go on one individual for the god-awful season the Lakers have had this year. Let's just be honest about it. They came, just a quick recap and refresher, the Lakers came into this season as one of the odds-on title favorites. A lot of people saying they eclipsed Brooklyn in their mind as the bona fide NBA title favorites. Vegas, I believe, certainly agreed. I, I don't have the odds pulled up right now what they were at the start of the season, but the Lakers were one of the top two title favorites. Um, a lot of people also pointing out that, yes, the roster was aged and expressing some doubt, I think, as far as how far in the playoffs they could get, but it was never a foregone conclusion that the Lakers would have any difficulty getting into the playoffs. I certainly thought the Lakers would be in the playoffs. I did predict in our season preview, if I can pat myself on the back a tiny bit, I did say, I don't think they're going to make the Western conference finals, but even going that far, I had no idea it would get this bad. We pull up the Lakers record here and you see a record as of tonight, they're playing the Warriors as we speak, but their record is 31 and 48. They are 11th in the NBA Western Conference. They are locked into at least getting the 11th spot. They will not climb any higher than that. And this, this is just pathetic. I mean, from a team that has been a title favorite to falling this far, Westbrook has certainly been a scapegoat for the year. And you look at the number of games played here. Let me pull this up. Westbrook, to his credit, played 78 games. You can argue whether he played some of those games well or not, but he was there for those games. <clears throat> LeBron James played 56 games. This is year, this was year 19 for LeBron James. So he played more than half of the season. He was in contention for the scoring title, still is. Um, Anthony Davis, perhaps most alarmingly of this big three of these players, Anthony Davis played 40 games this year, still out with injuries. It's it's easy to assume right now, if it hasn't already been announced, that I don't think we're going to see Anthony Davis on the court again this season. There's only a little bit further to go. What, three games? So it, it's over. Uh, the Lakers are not even scratching the play-in tournament, which is probably okay given that last year LeBron expressed how much he hates the play-in tournament. I actually do too, and I'm going to talk about that in, uh, in a minute. But let's not digress too far. Who's to blame for this season? Look, injuries happen. AD got hurt. That's a big part of this story on the court. Westbrook played sloppy. LeBron played lackluster defense 
many a time out on the court, but injuries happen and injuries were a huge part of this season, no doubt. But you never really got the feel when these players were together that they ever figured out how to mesh. How do you manage Westbrook and LeBron, both guys who like to be ball dominant, uh, who like to have the ball in their hands, that is. So look, the other talking point I've been hearing a lot of is, well, LeBron's the GM and he pushed reports are he pushed very hard to get Russell Westbrook on this team to give up all those assets to the Washington Wizards. We've said on this podcast several times, we think the Wizards fleece the Lakers in the moment. We thought that and it turned out to be true. Look, you can blame the players all you want. And, and I think it's an interesting conversation to have to say that now in the player empowerment era, now with the extra power that LeBron James has, he does get extra blame for this season. But at the end of the day, this shows something that we've known for several years. The Lakers now still have weak management. And that is who I ultimately blame this season on the weak management from the Lakers front office, getting rid, ignoring completely that under Frank Vogel, you have an elite level defensive coach. That's how they won their title in 2020. Ignoring that fact completely, Rob Palenka, the executive of this team, decides we're going to get rid of our defensive identity and we're going to build around three stars, one of which only Anthony Davis, who plays defense when he's healthy. We're going to get completely rid of our defensive identity and go to this uh, kind of patched together roster with some shooters that really honestly did not even shoot all that well. And that, that's what many of them were brought in to do. So you don't like to see this. Uh, I mean, I, I suppose I, I don't have strong feelings as, as far as wanting to see teams lose. I, I more tend to root for greatness. Look, my, my rockets are far, far away from contending a couple years out, most likely. But um, I, I don't like to see other teams totally tank like this. I honestly, I, I'd rather see the Lake, uh, Lakers match up with someone in the playoffs, even if they're out in the first round. I, I just think it's more intrigue. It's better for the league as a whole if the Lakers are in here. But look, if LeBron asks for something like bringing in Westbrook, and we've had a track record for several years now that Westbrook is not great for teams in the playoffs, just just does not do things on the court in the fourth quarter to win playoff style basketball games when the stakes are the highest. Couldn't do it at the end of his tenure in OKC. Couldn't do it in Houston. Couldn't do it in Washington. And we won't even get the chance to see in Los Angeles. So if LeBron is pushing for you to bring Russell Westbrook in, even those player empowerment era, all that stuff, if you are the executive and you go along with that you sign off on it i'm sorry but the ultimate blame goes on you for constructing a flawed roster 
like I said, there are other shares of blame to be put on. Yes. LeBron James. Yes. Other players on this team, but we're seeing ultimately what happens in the NBA. If you have weak management, even if you have some of the biggest names in basketball, Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, even though he's a couple of years removed from elite status, if your management is terrible, you're not going to go far in this league. That's the big takeaway that I think hardly anyone is talking about from this Lakers season. And I, th I think it's true. LeBron's best fit in his entire career. If you go back and look at stretches of his career, not only was it the sort of um, end of his, his apex, he stretched his prime out quite a bit, even a few years in Cleveland there, you could argue. But the top of his apex, but also when he had to worry a little bit less um, and, and manage the team a little bit less, LeBron's peak was, and I think always will be at this point, you, you could say the apex of his career is the title in Cleveland, but in terms of his overall performance, it was that four-year stretch in Miami, and that was under the strong leadership, the ownership of Mickey Arison, pretty hands-off. Trust Pat Riley, that team president. The strong leadership of Pat Riley is what was best for LeBron James, and you have to wonder how these last several years look, even though things were looking like an aging roster in Miami, et cetera, you have to kind of wonder, this is one of the big what ifs of LeBron's career. What if he had stayed in Miami under that leadership? I would definitely buy an argument that he could have had more titles at this point. He definitely, I, I think there are no regrets in going back to Cleveland. That title that he won against golden state was massive that is arguably the greatest title in NBA history, the greatest single title. If you look at the drama in that series and the overall impact of his narrative of winning a title in his home state, the state he was drafted in as well, of course, that's huge. But does LeBron have a, a nicer story, uh, a longer, happier career potentially? Maybe not longer, but a happier less stressful career if he stays in Miami. I don't know. I, I think I'm getting closer and closer to saying yes. Let's move on. Let's move a little bit more quickly into what do the Lakers do now? Very interesting question. I, I think realistically you have two options. Look, again, we talked about the player empowerment era. LeBron is going to have a huge say in basically whatever he wants to do for his future it seems and uh that that's the way it's been he's been able to dictate whatever he wants to do and he's earned that being one of the greatest to ever do it uh but i think you need to have serious talks this offseason if it's worthwhile for lebron to hang around like meeting up if rob palenka is still around if coach vogel is still around who knows could be an entire fire sale both the roster and the front office but if they're around LeBron, do you want to stay here? Cause we might not make the playoffs again next year, especially if you're thinking you've got 56 games in you or less like this season um, playing 56 games at this point. I don't know if we're going to make the playoffs uh, with, with that amount of, of games played. 
So do you want to set something else up? There, there were rumors like LeBron talking about, oh, he'd love to play with Steph Curry. Do you want to make that happen? Do you want to, um, you know, go back to Cleveland? Do, do that narrative. Coming home again to finish out your career. What do you want to do, LeBron? Let's talk about this because realistically, as it stands, we don't have draft picks till 2027 and then 2029. How are we going to do this? We have nothing to build with. So here are my two options. You keep AD for sure. And if you can't find any deal for Westbrook, you keep him around as well. You're competitive. You talk with LeBron about that. You see if he wants to stay or not. Maybe you can do some sort of sign and trade, get some value. Uh, The other option is fire sale entirely. We don't have any draft picks. What draft picks can we get from Anthony Davis? Presumably he's going to have to play and show that he's healthy for part of next season. But then once you achieve that, can you get some draft picks for him? Can you get some value for him? Some good young players. Can can you pull some draft picks like from OKC or some of their young talent? They probably don't want to go that route. But who knows? Maybe they want to be part of a three-team deal. So that's what I see. Either AD is now the centerpiece, and you just have to count on him being healthy, which you haven't been able to count on um, historically in his career, unfortunately. Or you go complete fire sale and you say, everyone's available. I think everyone is going to be available on this roster. But as you all know, there's not a lot of financial flexibility here. All right. Let's move on from the Lakers. Uh, look, I, I and again, to close this out, um, I, I've made it no secret. Like, I, I don't actively root for LeBron James the way that I used to. But uh, I personally have nothing against the Lakers. I do think the playoffs are better if the Lakers are a part of them. So I, I don't think this is good for the league with the Lakers having this performance. But it is what it is. And um, I... As we've said the last couple of weeks, I'm really excited about the young talent that's coming up in the league and that we are going to get to see more and more new stars born. I mean, Lakers had a first round exit last year to the Suns, of course, now not even making the playoffs. Will this be the year we see Luca rise? John Morant, his star has already risen. So a lot of stories in the West uh, to still look forward to, of course. Now, Let's look at the standings. Let's let's make just a quick point here. Um, so let me start with the messier one to drive home my point, and then we can do uh, a little um, exception for the East. But he- here's my point. You look at the teams that are being allowed to play an extra game or an extra two games by this play-in tournament. I think you had a perfect storm in the 2020 bubble season when uh, they added the play-in tournament element to this. But you look at this now, and these are teams that should not have a shot at more postseason life. The Spurs as the 10 seed, and they are locked into at least the 10 seed, so they will be there. Their record is 34 and 46. The Pelicans' record. 36 and 44. We don't have Zion uh, coming back for the playoffs. He he's been gone all year. He's he's out still from foot surgery uh, issues, I believe. 
neither of these teams are are great watch. Neither of these teams add a whole lot of excitement, at least for me personally, in the playoffs. I don't like the play-in tournament being a thing this year. You look at the Timberwolves being the seventh seed, they actually are legitimately exciting to watch this year. And you have an elite-level player in Carl Anthony Towns. And the Clippers as the eighth seed, there's the Kawhi mystery. They're at least 500, 40 and 40. They might not finish 500, but at least there's a chance they could have an even or winning record. I'm, I'm not into rewarding teams with losing records. I, I think maybe if there was a, a policy that if you have a losing record, you can't be in this play-in tournament. I don't know. I think we need to make some sort of exceptions to uh, – not run the risk of worsening the playoff product because the NBA playoffs are great. If let's say the Spurs knock one of these teams out, the Timberwolves or the Clippers, however it plays out, that's not good for the NBA playoffs. If the Pelicans, same thing. If the Pelicans knock off one of these teams, Clippers or the Timberwolves in the West, this is not good for the NBA playoffs. So I'm against this play-in tournament for now. Um, and, and I'm sure there's audio you can find where maybe I supported it earlier. But in this case, when we have teams with losing records that are, let's be honest, just, just kind of pathetic, kind of lackluster, unfortunately due to injuries, like in the Pelicans, Pelicans case, th this is not good for the overall product. In the East, you have a better argument for the play-in tournament. Look, you have the Hornets, 41-39. and 39 as the 10 seed. So that's a, a decent team. And we know the East is more stacked this year. That's a decent team. This is a case to have a play in tournament, the Hawks 42 and 38. They've struggled all year, but they are a winning team. They're the nine seed here. Eight versus nine nets versus Hawks is going to be a very entertaining game. The Cavaliers, with their injury concerns, they're kind of flaming out at the end of this year, three and seven in their last 10. You can see how there could be now arguing the other side where playing tournaments are beneficial. There could be a huge benefit if that seven versus 10 game, the Hornets do in fact knock out the Cavaliers and we don't have to watch a Cavalier team that is limping into the playoffs get there and just get wiped in that first round. So this is a case where now I'm going to argue against what I just made, but I'm also going to say, why can't we have both? Why, why not? It, why can't we have what's best for the product of the playoffs? So again, if the team has a winning record, one through 10 in the standings in a conference, let's do it. Let's have the play in tournament. This is going to be great in the East. If they don't, if they're an embarrassment, if they're losing records and if, if they're a losing record team and heading into the playoffs, let's just eliminate them there and say we have our one through eight. You have to be at least 500 record or above to be able to play in the play-in tournament. Now, if, you're, if you are top eight, yes, there have been cases where a less than 500 team plenty of cases where a less than 500 team has made it into the playoffs. That's fine. You got, you're one of the top eight teams in your conference. So that's fine. No issues there, but let, let's not run the risk of making a good product. That is the NBA playoffs um, worse. 
<laughs> and, and I don't care if it's exciting in the moment, if the Pelicans upset the Clippers, not good for the overall product. And um, yeah, I, I'd be curious to know your thoughts about that. If you agree or disagree, let me know. Get at me. Speaking of the playoffs, they are coming up. We have, you know, teams have two or three games left. I want to talk about the argument for each of my six remaining contenders and why they are contenders. These are not complicated arguments by any means, but I've already narrowed it down to six teams. You might say that that is four too many teams. You might say that is three too many teams. That's cool. Let's take a look at each conference and I will tell you what teams I think can still contend. Biggest outsider team. So I'm going to start from the bottom and go to the top. One of these teams is my title pick already in the West, but I'm going to start at the bottom. The Dallas Mavericks are contenders. Why? Really easy. I'm going to explain it in like two sentences. Luca, this could be the year that he pushes to be in that argument of he he makes that playoff run that puts him in that argument of is he the best player in the NBA now now I know that's a stretch Giannis has done a lot more for example but look if you if if Luca gets to the NBA finals you know that's going to be a headline also second point the Dallas Mavericks play hard on defense that matters in the regular season I think that serves them well in the playoffs. They're the most flawed of these three teams. I will give you that. It's going to require a heroic effort from Luka, but Luka is more in shape, playing better lately, always plays pretty great, but plays even better lately. And I, I think they do have a puncher's chance. Warriors, not on my contenders list, would have been a couple months ago before all these injuries. Too much uncertainty there. Moving on, the second team of three teams in the West that I think can compete for the title. The Memphis Grizzlies is not a shocker. You know, the, all three of these teams are top four teams, okay? I, I get it. It's, it's not um, a huge surprise here. But the Memphis Grizzlies... Same type of story with John Morant. It's more kind of how high is this guy's ceiling? I, I think with Luca in comparison, everyone has seen he's already had a few playoff moments, that crazy buzzer beater against the Clippers. He he's shown he can have these massive playoff performances. Everyone's kind of wondering the the mystery is still there for John Morant. It's a little bit in doubt, like how high is this guy's ceiling really? Also, this team hustles tries hard, probably has the best chemistry out of any of the teams that I'm listing off here. Uh, and that includes the Eastern Conference as well. So Grizzlies are a threat. I don't believe in either of these teams beating my title pick, the Phoenix Suns. I just think if the Suns stay healthy, moving into the playoffs, they have a chip on their shoulder. They have the most versatile roster, in my opinion. They can match up with big teams, small teams. They can hurt you on the inside. They can hurt you on the outside. Their ball movement is outstanding. They have one of the best point guards to ever do it. That helps out a lot in the playoffs. They have one of the best free throw shooting teams, I think, in 
NBA history, if I'm not mistaken. But they are they are great on the free throw line. That helps a ton in the playoffs. And they, they can play physical, too. So I, I think the Suns are out for revenge. They are my title favorite. Let's look at the Eastern Conference. We have three teams here as well that I think are contenders and it's not the number one seed Miami heat. Let me tell you that uh, I I do think I I don't like to overreact for one um, incident happening, but man, that Jimmy Butler asking coach Spolstra, do you want to fight me? I, I don't see that as like friendly competition or guys just losing their cool for a minute. I think there's something deeper going on there and I, I just don't trust the heat. So I I've been bullish on the heat before. Uh, I, I like that franchise a lot. I've sung their praises just minutes ago about LeBron James, etc. but I don't trust them this year. I don't know if something deeper is going on. We'll probably hear about it uh, later on. And I wonder how much longer Jimmy Butler is going to be in Miami after all that. Okay. Back on point here. Let's go to our contenders starting from the bottom in terms of standings, but I still think they're a threat because they have KD, they have Kyrie. Uh, it's an outside chance at, at this point in time. We need to see more. They're six and four in their last 10, so they're not exactly on fire. A lot of questions on their bench and how healthy that entire roster is. It is an old roster, much like the Lakers. But yes, it's the Brooklyn Nets. And simply because you have a Kyrie Irving who is pretty rested, we now know, as I predicted earlier this year, yes, he is going to be able to play for the entire playoffs. And we have KD. And KD always has something to prove. KD always brings it in the playoffs, whatever you want to say about KD, I do have to give him that credit for his efforts on the court. He never lets up on the court. I appreciate that about KD. Um, So the Nets are the first team there. Second team, that is a huge contender. I don't know how much I buy into this team really, but I do have to give them the nod as a contender because of the level of talent and because of the MVP candidates, my most likely pick to win the MVP. I'd like to see Jokic win by the way, but I think Joel Embiid is going to win MVP and it's the Philadelphia 76ers. They are sitting at the four seed right now, 49 and 31. If they stayed there and played against the Raptors. I, I think that'd be a fantastic matchup for them. No disrespect Raptors, but I, I just think the 76ers would roll them. Um, and a lot of this, again, Joel Embiid is playing great MVP level basketball. He deserves to be a top MVP candidate. Obviously he's been able to be on the court. You don't have the injury concerns, knock on wood that we did have last year. Remember he, he, um, I believe, hurt his meniscus against the Hawks last year in the playoffs. He's healthy. He is uh, playing at an elite level. This team plays great defense. I- I'm not the biggest fan of Doc Rivers as a coach at this point uh, in the modern-day NBA. But credit where credit's due. They-, they do look like a legitimate threat right now. We'll see how high they climb. But even... Good thing Justin's not on the pod today. <laughs> but even if 
they climb into the three seed and have to face against the six seed Bulls. I think you could argue that's an even better matchup for them because of the havoc that Joel Embiid will wreak on the inside against that Bulls team. No disrespect for the Bulls. I, I'm rooting for them. Um, last contender team, I, I think it's obvious since I didn't pick the Heat. No, it's not the Celtics. They've got those injury concerns. Um, Celtics are interesting, though. They they could still make a pretty big push in the playoffs here. Um, but the contender remaining in the East is obviously the Milwaukee Bucks. We've been singing Giannis's praise lately on the podcast, bemoaning the NBA for not promoting him as a bigger star. And I just think you have you have just seen last year Giannis's capability to turn this on to go to this next gear this next level and be unstoppable around the basket you know getting comparisons to Wilt Chamberlain that we have not seen in over 30 years in the NBA or maybe um right at the like 2000 Shaq level but he was going even above and beyond that with his athleticism so you definitely can't count out the bucks they are 6 and 4 in their last 10 these eastern conference teams not inspiring a ton of confidence at the end of the season here but keep in mind these teams are also just kind of lining up getting their ducks in a row and getting ready for these matchups can't take too much from the last dozen or so games in the NBA season from every single team. So I think the Bucks are, again, a real threat to just storm through the East. If the Bucks are against are set up against Brooklyn again this year, I think that's a pretty bad first-round matchup for Brooklyn. The more time the Nets have, the better for Ben Simmons to get there, get integrated with this team if he's going to show up for the playoffs. Um, I, I think the the Bucks would also... I, I think... So the Bucks versus Philly, let me say, I, I think is my most interesting series of the Eastern Conference because you have that Joel versus Giannis matchup. Who's going to come out in top as far as that goes? What are the Bucks going to do to slow Joel Embiid down? And same question for the 76ers slowing Giannis down. They they can really both just kind of go off against those teams, but these teams are no slouches on defense either. So it's almost like a mano a mano sort of matchup between Giannis and Joel Embiid. Um, and you'd be curious to see if if they guard each other and, and how much of the series they do that for. So, last thing I want to mention, uh, to leave on, on sort of a happy note, we did have college championships that happened, so I want to say congrats to the Kansas Jayhawks for winning the men's NCAA tournament, and congratulations also to the South Carolina Gamecocks women's basketball team for winning the women's basketball NCAA tournament. I was rooting for the Tar Heels to beat Kansas in the finals, but great season by the Tar Heels for getting there and for knocking off Duke. I was excited to see that. Um, so let me know your thoughts. What should the Lakers do next? And who are the legitimate title contenders that are left? Do you agree with my list of six? Do you think that's kind of silly? Whatever. I hope it was interesting either way. Thank you guys so much for listening. 
I have to get out of here and wrap up, get ready for a big day tomorrow. I hope you guys have an excellent weekend. We will see you around on the podcast very soon. Can't say specifics, but we have some more exciting interviews coming up. Look forward to sharing those with you guys. Take care. Be well. We'll see you soon. Peace.